0: Australia. Broadcasting around the world. Around the world. You're listening to the Mitch Maroney Show. Here's your host, Mitch Maroney.
1: Okay, welcome back everybody.
0: Today we've got Jude Morris from Deloitte. He heads up the Deloitte Restructuring Services Division. G'day Jude, how are you?
2: I'm good, Mitch. How are you going?
0: Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad at all. So I suppose Tell us a bit about yourself and what you do and all the rest. What I do is I work within
2: Deloitte's restructuring services division, which is part of our broader financial advisory practice. And my specialty is really working with businesses which are suffering some type of financial distress, which is causing cash to be an issue. In good times, that can be companies which are suffering growing pain. So it's probably a good problem to have and and they need to find cash. Or in other times, in particular, probably what we're suffering at the moment with the whole COVID-19 thing, it's more where there's a real cash crunch being caused by some external factor. And what we do is we help businesses navigate their way through that period of distress and hopefully come out the other side without, hopefully, by avoiding any sort of formal insolvency. That's the other side of the things that we do, which is where a company is at the end of its life and does need to be put to sleep, so to speak. We perform services like voluntary administration to restructure companies or liquidations where it's really quite fatal for a company.
0: So, yeah, it's pretty much what we do. With that side of things, obviously, that's a very broad spectrum of what you're doing. Mm. So, most of it, by the sounds of it, is obviously trying to save companies. You you can't obviously save all companies because some do need to go to sleep. But is that sort of correct? You do try and save life.
2: Definitely. Yeah, that, that's always what we try and do first. And it's what gives us the most pleasure and the most satisfaction to actually save a business, to save people's jobs and to get a business up and running and, and kicking along again. That, that is a much better experience for us and for our clients is to see a business go on and then succeed. To give you an example, we had a transport company which was almost on the verge of collapse and it could have been easy to say let's liquidate it but no we went in there and we looked at it and we sort of cut up the numbers and worked with management to eventually turn this business around so after about 12 months this thing's now spitting out lots of cash and it's almost on the verge of an ipo (laughs) so, <laughs> you know, that's, they've got, that's right, it's got the support of its bankers and it's been a great success story. So that gives us, like I said, a, a lot of satisfaction. So yes yeah,
0: yeah. Always oh. our first port of call. You guys obviously do big and small in that respect. Yep. Yeah, so
2: the whole range right from doing your typical mum and dad small business right through to the top end of town. We look at it
0: all and, and we scale our services accordingly to what it requires. That obviously makes complete sense. It'd be interesting on a, say, large scale, say, publicly listed companies and and working with them. Mm. What's your sort of experience there? Like, I suppose, what interesting things have come up that you've had to deal with there? Well, I guess at
2: the moment, Deloitte is engaged through our Brisbane offices, where the administrators of Virgin Airlines, that's probably the biggest insolvency that's happened to Australia in the last 20 years maybe, probably the biggest since, you know, the last airline to fall over, which was Ansett. So that's been sort of some incredible long days in trying to keep airlines up in the air and having midnight phone calls with caterers in Los Angeles airport to make sure there's going to be food on planes um, and talking to fuel companies in Hong Kong to make sure planes are going to get So I guess
1: that's you... Think think
0: of that other stuff. You think obviously the plane in the air, keeping it going, but... You do need, that's to, right. like, you need fuel in the like you need all of those
2: other Yeah, and that's why you gotta sort of keep people happy. But dealing with sort of the listed company side, yes, there's a bit more sophistication there and, and the data's can be easier to get. Not always. Yeah. We've come across listed companies where you just wonder how the hell do you know what's going on because their accounting is just terrible. Yeah. But generally the numbers are better and there's a few more systems and processes. I guess the thing with public companies, you're just dealing with a lot more stakeholders in terms of regulators and lots of shareholders. Any horror
1: stories of stuff that you've had to deal with there? Oh,
2: horror stories.
1: CEOs
0: being fraud and stealing all the
2: money and running away? Oh, yeah, there are plenty of those. Yeah, there's plenty of stories. I think businesses sort of fail for a few reasons. It's either the people are crooks or they just don't know what they're doing or it's both, or it's just really, really bad luck, like coronavirus is probably bad luck for a lot of people. But in terms of some real horror stories, I guess a recent one I've come across is a sort of a labor-hire scaffolding company where the director just sort of started up a company, decided that paying PAYG tax was just optional for him. So Uh, that's right. But what he would do is he'd provide labour hire to building companies, but he would go in really cheap with his quotes because he wasn't paying tax. Totally unfair to all the other good businesses which were paying their tax. So yeah. he was effectively 30% less and not paying GST. So now he's probably like 40% less than his competitors. And the yeah. ATO had allowed his debt to run up to about $1.5 million. That's a
0: long time to let it run to do that. And that is right. You just couldn't compete. You know, undercutting by 30, 40%, you just couldn't do it.
2: No, I think some of the bigger building companies that he was engaged with actually cottoned on and says, well, that's just too cheap. You're obviously not paying your tax. We don't want to deal with you. But there were others that would say, they'll just take the cheapest price they can. So this guy was basically defrauding the government and it's insolvent trading bordering on criminal. So hopefully ASIC will be sort of throwing the book at him. You know, he could be facing jail time for that type of stuff. So that's probably quite a, a recent serious
0: one is it very often that ASIC does have a good crack
2: ah it's got to be in you know they've only got so finite resources they don't have a lot to share around so they want to get the bang for their buck so it will be the high profile cases yeah where there's lots of creditors affected or lots of employees that have lost their money that's where they're more likely to take action it's just these little ones like this scaffolding company at the end of the day the government and employees might only lose a million dollars or $2 million. But this is happening everywhere. And if you add up all of these $1 million companies, they're much bigger combined than
0: just a few of your high-profile business collapses. So yeah. it is a problem. Just on that, I don't know whether you guys have any involvement in it, but I saw Westpac just got pinged a couple of weeks ago and they're expecting a huge fine from, I think it was APRA, for yeah. a money laundering. We don't really get involved with that side of it. That's probably more of a regulatory thing, not really within yeah. our remit. It was interesting when I was reading the article because, rightfully or wrong, they probably didn't know to the nitty-gritty because it was essentially small level people funding money through the bank to go elsewhere.
2: Yeah, it looks worse than what it is because it was probably a system issue where you know there was some problem with the system that every transaction of under $100 got through. Exactly. And there was just millions of those transactions. So that theoretically, there's a $1,000 fine for every transaction. So Yeah.
0: And they got mm. 24,000 transactions on it or 24,000 counts or something. Yeah. It would be something like that. Similar thing yeah. happened with Citigroup over in America. Yeah, that's right. Obviously, that was a bit more obvious, like the cartel was threatening the bank managers. But they were letting it go through and different systems didn't pick it up and Banging against banks is a a
2: victimless crime, Mitch. So Yeah, yeah.
0: Get us some ratings. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. So the elephant in the room, the COVID crisis at the moment, what's your sort of thoughts on it?
2: Yeah, so a lot of people I talk to going, oh, geez, you guys must be really busy being in the sort of liquidation game with COVID-19. and. Talking to my colleagues in other firms and and in the industry, well we're actually we're not and looking at the stats, it's not if anything, the numbers have probably come down of sort of business values. And that's because of the stimulus side
0: of things totally.
2: Totally. The biggest thing has been the stimulus and the second biggest thing has been there was a change to the legislation in that with a statutory demand and to wind up a company if you're owed money, in particular something the ATO uses when they're winding up companies, is it now takes six months. You can't enforce on your statutory demand for six months. So you're not going to see any winding up action at all. Plus the ATO, they've decided not to take any recovery action, which makes sense. So you know why would the government sort of be recovering tax when they're just pumping stimulus into the economy? So there's just so much stimulus out there. And we'd be telling people when they come to us going, well, should I put my company into a liquidation or administration? We go, well, no, you can almost hibernate if it's possible. Let's look at that solution. You might be able to get through this with all the stimulus payments. So I think at the moment, especially in Perth and in WA, we've been in the middle of crisis mode. Where what people have done is they've arranged JobKeeper. They've spoken to, you know, they've spoken to their landlord. They've spoken to the bank. They've deferred their payments. They've deferred their tax obligations. They might have cut a few staff. So that was crisis mode. And I think most people in WA have probably dealt with that now. And so what we probably need to be start doing is looking at recovery mode because things look like they're going to open up. I guess there's frustrations just that we've seen in talking to businesses and clients is in crisis mode. I guess the frustrations of people has been the complexities and ineligibility around JobKeeper. I guess it's a double-edged sword, yeah, hats off to the government for doing that and doing it quickly, but you can't sort of blame them too much for making legislation on the run. (laughs) That's
0: what I was going to say. They did it in two weeks or a month or whatever. Like, yeah. That is insanely fast compared to how long things normally work yeah. and they did it, they got it out there. Yeah, it might have missed some people that yeah. be eligible, like, you know, casuals being employed for over 12 months. I know that's come yeah. up again yeah, and that sort of thing. But at the end of the day, yeah. they pushed to a deadline and they did get it done. They pushed it through.
2: That's right. Well, you think people have probably been arguing for generations over, you know, the deductions for laundry allowances and that law has been taken... You know, exactly. years to sort out and you think yeah. JobKeeper, of course you're going to have some holes in it. But anyway, that's been a frustration.
0: Yeah, I can see both sides as well. So there is the frustration side, but I've also yeah. heard on the flip side because it's 1500 a week, four in, no matter what. So people that didn't even earn that much are now getting pay rises because they have to be paid the 1500 Yeah, but yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, that's obviously a loophole in the legislation that has allowed that, but I had heard that side as well. So I do take my hats off to them being able to get it through so quick and it is pretty good. I mean, yeah, the tolls and all that, but mm. I mean, the tolls in legislation that takes them 10 years to pass.
2: Yeah, well, the alternative was just to sort of get a plane and fly across Perth and just drop out $50 notes because that's really what they're trying to do. It's just yeah, get money pretty- out there circulating and this is just the easiest way to do it.
0: Yeah, and I think the fact that they linked most of the incentives to employment, I think that was a good thing. Mm. So yeah, keeping businesses alive, up, but yeah, yeah definitely bigger employees. Because there's no point, say, keeping a business semi alive, but um, mm. we just have to go on the dole, and it just doesn't work. You know, at least it's keeping the money flowing.
2: Yeah, no, definitely, that's a really key part of the initiative. I guess another frustration through this crisis mode has been people with getting like the $250,000 or lesser amounts out of the banks and the emergency funding. Again, I don't blame the banks for taking their time. It's just because they found out when the government announced it. So, And banks are big beasts and takes a long time to set up processes and systems and documents and they're only now trying to catch up. So I can understand that frustration on both sides
0: trying to turn around an aircraft carrier. It'll do it
2: eventually, but it takes a little bit to to get there. That's right. That's right. And then finally, the other frustration has been really people negotiating with their landlords or with their tenants. I'm not sure what your clients are experiencing, but there's a whole range of experience going on that some people are able to be quite collaborative and reach a mutually acceptable position that will work for both parties. Then there's just some landlords or some tenants that are just sticking their foot in the ground and, or head in the sand and just not sort of budging at all.
0: Well, like we were discussing off air, we had one client that their landlord was going to give them a three month reprieve, I think it was, it might have been six. So no rent for that period because they're a cafe, they're not allowed to open, they can't do takeaways, et cetera, either. Because yeah. of where it is, it's not worth doing takeaways, so yeah, that sounds great. You're not having to pay rent for six months, but as a condition of that, it gets capitalized. So that I don't know how much it was off the top of my head, but say it was two grand a month for six months. That twelve grand they have to pay off over the next eighteen months of a two-year lease. Bargain, say yeah. So in that case, kind of kicking the hand down the road. Hopefully, they'll be able to do it and get through it, but it, it's mm. not a massive recruit. But then I've had other ones. They got hit hard. They're actually a travel agency, specialising in cruises. Oh, <laughs> um, a double whammy. Yeah. yeah so they had a rough time. Their landlord dropped their rent by sixty percent. Just mm. questions asked. We're going to just charge you forty percent until it all gets lifted and stuff again, and then we'll work out a bit of a deal after that. But I thought mm. you know that's both ends of that spectrum of we're going to help you out get through this and. We'll invest in the future I suppose in the business or I still want my money yeah we'll get you through it
2: but I guess at least we're a bit luckier in WA because I think WA is the only state to actually legislate the guidance that the federal government put out about landlords and tenant negotiations whereas the other states haven't so like the legislation at the moment in WA is you can actually if you want to just leave your lease you can get out of it without penalty now for small wow.
0: businesses. Yeah.
2: You know, they can't call on guarantees. They can't call on the rental bond you might have put up. You know, there's no personal liability. You can theoretically get out of your lease if you just chose that, hey, my business is stuffed. I can't go on anyway. Is the keys.
0: Wow, yeah. That will help, especially, you know, say a dying business and it can't continue and it does need to shut the doors. Or That's if true. you need to move to cheaper premises. Yeah, through that too. Yeah. At least it gives them that option without having to go, oh, shit, I've got six months left of the lease, so that's how much I'm going to
2: pay out or whatever. That's interesting. Yeah. So I guess what we need to start focusing on, and this is what we're telling clients at all from small businesses to medium to more of the top end of town, what we're telling people is, well, now that you've dealt with crisis mode, you're in hibernation or you're in somewhere in between, is to really now start focusing on recovery And what does that look like? So you really need to start forecasting. What does the future look like? And you probably need different scenarios because how quickly is revenue going to ramp up? Is it going to be a hockey stick or is it going to be a hockey stick and then a gradual and then another uptick or it's just going to be a slow grind? People don't really know. I guess if you're in pubs or hospitality, yeah, the first two weeks, it's going to be chaos. Everyone's going to be out partying and eating and drinking, but then once they've had their fill they're probably gonna go back to staying at home because you gotta think about this, sort of a million people have been put out of work in the country and more than that have had to either access their super, go into their savings, or they've taken a pay cut. These people have to fix their own balance sheets first. But even before coronavirus, you know, Mitch there wasn't that much money around for discretionary spending. It was already a problem. Now yeah. it's gonna probably be even worse. So you Businesses just have to think about how quickly am I going to start back up?
1: Because that
0: was one thing, obviously, before the coronavirus. It's not like we were rolling in money and there was cash going. Ah. down. We've kind of yeah. been stagnant since the Iron ore price yeah. kind of crashed a few years ago. Yeah. Yeah, because obviously for the listeners, Western Australia is very dependent on mining. So mm. the mining did crash, employment wasn't as high, et cetera. So yeah, context. but debts, it's gonna be interesting coming out of it, what we're gonna do. I think it'll be interesting in the way of I suppose what sticks. So businesses that were previously who could never work from home, couldn't do it, yada yada yada, they've had to adapt. They've had to yeah. do it. So things like for argument's sake, you know, you're paying a million dollars a year in rent for this premises. Mm. Could you have the staff work from home or more remote, get cheaper ones and Even if, say, you dropped by 100 grand, you're still 100 grand better off. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder what sort of stuff like that or, you know, meetings that will be done via Zoom rather than in person. It'll be interesting to see what sticks and what doesn't.
2: Yeah, no, that's right. There's going to be a catalyst for more permanent change because people have proven that you can still be efficient and get stuff done working at home. So your office space is one. Like the other one is like they reckon – there's been a lot more telehealth going on. have doctor's appointment is by Zoom or whatever, and they reckon that's probably going to stick even more. For, you think of a lot of doctor's appointments you may have, you don't actually have to be in the same room. You just want your antibiotics and you want to get out of there. Yeah,
0: and if it's so a for those
2: things, grip, then,
0: yeah, yeah, why not? It's easy enough to do. But then
2: the other changes are going to be, well, you think about it, people's expectations around hygiene now whereas you might have cleaned your premises twice a week. Does that now change to twice a day? I know I was going to a gym as coronavirus was just coming out and they'd moved to you know, cleaning the place twice a day. That just
0: increases costs where you never thought. Yeah, so, yeah but, exactly. Yeah. And even just from a, a social point of view, not just economically, we haven't been locked down long enough that I think it'll go away. But myself mm. personally, it's been weird not changing in. You know, yeah, instinctively yeah. shake the client's head when they come in. So having to stop that, I mean, I think that will come back. But if mm, I hope so, twelve months or a couple of years when we didn't have to, you know, maybe it mm. wouldn't because that wouldn't be the norm anymore. What little things will stay? People might stand further away from each other just instinctively. Yeah, that's right. it take a while for cruises to come back. That's for oh, sure. Oh yeah, All yeah. Right. I would hate being in that business. Are you still doing anything
2: with the cruises out of curiosity? No, no, we haven't seen anything. I think a lot of those cruise lines are actually sort of run out of the States or the UK, they're quite big companies. I did talk to someone who was sort of a guy out of South Australia that had some cruise ships but for some reason he seemed okay and I guess one thing coming out of coronavirus is if you're cashed up, which this guy was, it's a great buying opportunity. Yeah,
0: that's one thing. Like you said, in economic hardship right now, if you do have the cash, you can make some really good money. It will recover. Obviously, you've got to have the money to do it.
2: That's right, yeah. Like Barack Obama says, you know, don't waste a crisis. Yeah.
0: Um,
2: There are people waiting there, some of them maybe seagulls, but, you know, they're waiting out there to pick things up. I reckon another thing around what recovery mode looks like is making sure, and you touched on it, Mitch, is, yeah, you've kicked your debt down the road a bit and like your cafe example, you've now got 12 grand's worth more of debt sitting there that you've got to do something with. Plus, you add to that, it might be a heap of tax debt that you had to defer and a heap of bank debt that you had to defer and maybe other supplies. So you've now got this building mountain of debt or a molehill of debt that you have to deal with. And so you've got to think about how am I going to deal with that? And then you also got to think about how do I start up business? I was speaking to a guy that runs a pub. So he had to throw out all his kegs because they'd all gone stale, couldn't keep them for two months, yeah. had to throw Let, out all I'll, the food. i will grab a keg. Apparently he had a few mates around to get rid of a couple, but <laughs> otherwise they just couldn't drink them fast enough. You think of that example, it's going to cost a lot of money to ramp back up.
1: People yeah. have to think about yeah, how are you going to fund
2: it. So you need to be sort of speaking to your bank about you know, how you're going to fund your working capital to get up and running again and how you might manage that debt load. And we're also thinking, you've seen the banks have been absolutely hammered because they're losing money, they're deferring their income by giving people debt holidays. We're thinking at Deloitte that credit might become really quite hard to get. The banks might have to ration it. So if you're thinking you're going to need bank debt and bank financing, you probably want to start thinking about getting it now rather than three or four months' time where the banks might be reserving their capital for only the sort of better rated
0: credits and the lower risk deals and that makes sense because i mean obviously mm. they're a business so they're mm. putting everybody's repayments on hold and everything else yeah the cash flow just crashed you know obviously yeah. it's better than everybody defaulting and then they fall because they don't have any money but it still hurts yeah. the cash flow if say a third of your customers don't pay for six months uh, oh that's right yeah yeah. That
2: is exactly right. So you're just going to think about making yeah. sure you can get hold of the money when you think you're going to need it.
0: And it'll be interesting with the banking side of things because interest rates are so low at the moment anyway. As you said, they might get a bit more concerned with it and go into the more, I suppose, low-risk sort of lending side of things Yeah. and push people's LBRs to not lending 99% for a yeah. house bargain's sake, you know, like, actually make a 10%, 20% deposit.
2: Yeah, that's exactly right. And I guess another thing about coming out of and getting into recovery is because it's so uncertain on how quick it might take off is just to make sure you remain agile. So it might be a good time if you're going to need to put on more staff, you put on casuals rather than permanents or you put on contract labor so you haven't got that fixed cost. If you need more machinery, hire it rather than buy it. It might cost more, but at least it gives you flexibility to sort of scale up and down as you're going through this transition.
0: Because it could come out gangbusters, it could real slow, like you were saying, or it could be a mixture Mm. of both. like they could have a Mm. amount of work for two weeks, like you said, with the pubs and cafe ones. Yeah, so you've got to take all that into account and you've got to consider what impact I suppose that's going to have. And then, even say, from other Industries that haven't been as affected. So when you do work for the mining companies, a lot of them are 45, 60 days after the end of the month. So let's say you're a fabricator and you have to Mm. buy a hundred grand worth of steel and takes you a month to do whatever you have to do to it to get it all sorted. A month and a half. You put your invoice in. It could be near on three months before you actually. Yeah, definitely. And because cash is king at the moment, and you know, that could be a total period of five, six months between actually buying the product and like getting
2: paid. That's right. Yeah, totally. And the guy you bought the steel off is probably going through exactly the same thing. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> all the way through the chain.
0: I have mm. actually said to a few, because I've got a few fabricators on my books, about the, the low-cost lending or the government-backed lending mm. stuff that we are talking before. Yeah. And, you know, really recommend that they go talk to the bank about it because one of them in particular, normally they've had cash for mm. the steel and stuff, which is great, but they're going to have huge cash flow issues coming up because of all this. So they need the work yeah. for a couple of months. So mm. it'll be a couple of months before it starts hitting. Whereas if they can, say, get a situation where they do get a short-term loan or however yep. it works, yeah, they can go buy a hundred grand of steel, do the job, et cetera, put it up. And then when they get paid, just pay off the loan. But at least you've got that capital behind you. You can keep going. So, Definitely. No point putting 100% of your eggs in the basket and having to wait six months for a hatch.
2: Yeah, well, you're just not going to be able to get up and running. So, yeah, you need that starting capital. And it's either, like you said, get to your bank early and also talk to you about getting sort of accountant prepared sort of submission. You want to give your bank a compelling story to lend to you. So you want to present it in the best light, or you've got to look at well, if I can't get bank financing, do I sell a non-core asset? Do I maybe through recovery and going out, I don't restart that part of my business, which was always marginal or non-performing anyway. I can't afford to carry it. My other good businesses are at risk as well. So you just don't start up those things which were never really that profitable anyway.
0: And you could even, I mean, obviously it would have to be different scenarios and stuff, but Mm -hmm. look at doing. Lack of better terms, like a vendor finance sort of situation, where let's just say the steel one, I whatever, say yeah, you go to the supplier and you work out yeah, you're going to have to pay more and you're going to have to pay like because yeah. they're holding it, but yeah, be able
1: to get that and they'll hold the cost and then you give them twenty percent of the profit margin
0: or whatever. So yeah. I, I think, that's right, yeah, yeah, that'd be obviously if the banks aren't coming to the table for yeah, but. You know, there might be a bit of that sort of thing happening as well.
2: I think people just have to remember we're all in it together. So like we talked about the landlord-tenant thing, you've got to work together. So you need to be talking to your suppliers and reaching those acceptable sort of mutual agreements where you both
0: can get through. Everything that, you know, you're going through as a business person, your supplier or customer, if they're in business, are pretty much going through the same. Mm, That is right. Everybody's in this together. Yeah, it's just hit one industry. So, back on the insolvency and that side of things, sure. From a safeguard point of view, what would you say is the first sort of red flags where if you nip it in the bud, you don't have the issues, but if you just let it keep snowballing, then they'll have to wind up?
2: I guess the most common cause of failure that we see in businesses, which we can't unfortunately. Sort of resuscitate and get going again, and they just have to fail and they go into liquidation. Is the one common theme is just poor information because you can't react if you don't know if you're profitable. How can you react if you just like some people might think I've got cash in the bank, so that means it's all profit, but that's profit and cash are different things, or they don't know how much they owe the tax man, they don't know how profitable a particular product is. Let's say they sell a million widgets. And they think because they're selling so many, they're making lots of money, but they're actually losing money on every widget and they're actually just going broke faster. So it's just all about having good management information systems. And if you need your accountant to do that or your internal bookkeeper to do that,
0: it's worth the money to know exactly where you're at. It is profitable. The whole point of being in business is to be profitable and make money. Varying degrees of how far you want to go. Obviously, as accounting professionals, we probably go a bit further into the six-minute increments. and, and That's, that's
2: right, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. No one starts a business, Mitch, by hiring six accountants. and yeah. you know, The accountant and the bookkeeper always come a few years later, but if you are at that stage, it is worth at least starting with a bookkeeper or an external bookkeeper. You don't have to bring one on the payroll to at least understand where you're at and where you're heading and one that you can trust.
0: Obviously, I I'd, I'd recommend going and seeing your accountant and coming to see me, etc., but also, mm. you know, doing some reading online of how to read a profit-loss statement, mm. and
1: say,
0: how to yeah. read a balance sheet and just the basics because obviously mm. your partner's going to teach you that as well. But you yeah. need a good understanding. That's one thing I've found with clients that have come on from elsewhere mm. started a business or whatever. Like you said before, if there's cash in the bank, it must be not profitable. There's a lot that have that sort of attitude and you go, well, it's not – Exactly the same. That could be taxed, for argument's sake. That's right. Could have all these loans, and really, that's just the interest remaining, That, yeah. that sort of thing. So you need to be able to know, okay, I'm profitable. This is how it works, etc. And one other thing I normally recommend, especially to small businesses, mm-hmm. is to treat the business like a third party. Too many businesses they just see it as their personal bank account. So they go, yeah. oh, sweet, there's ten grand in there. Let's go buy a boat. Yeah, that could be taxed. That could be next week's supplier payment, who knows what it is. Yeah. Whereas if you have the business operating and work out a wage that you can live on, Mm, definitely, it's got to work, that I find just solves so many problems. And it also, the highs make up for the lows and it just gets all smooth. Um, Obviously, you know, in accounting, we can have a bit of a seasonal sort of income spike. Mm. If during that seasonal time we just took all the money and, had a great old time, which, I mean, you would, it'd be a great time. The rest of the year would be rough. You know, you'd be credit cards, you'd be just trying to survive. That's one thing I'd tell all my clients, work out a salary normally, work out how much the tax is going to be on it. Do it like a third party. You're an employee of that business. Yeah. And that's going to save you so much problems. And pay your tax because that's enough. Yes. That bites a lot of, especially small business, it bites a few years down the track once they've started. ACO is starting to jump up and down because their debt's getting bigger and bigger. A few years extra, and unfortunately, get Jude involved because company can't.
2: Yeah. Like after having good accounting systems and knowing whether you're making money, yeah, the biggest red flag that a company's failing is they can't pay their tax or they can't pay their super because they're yeah. using the tax man
0: or unfortunately their employees as a bank. Unfortunately, that's quite, mm. and with the super, so I think not paying the super because mm. most individuals and employees don't check their super fund every quarter mm. before they got paid. A lot of businesses think they can just get away with it and nobody will notice, but yeah. that's not the reality. And with the new rules that are coming in, that's mm. going to be even harsher. Yeah, no, that's right. Yeah, yeah, you're you're facing personal
2: liability as a director, yeah, or as an for not paying your employee
0: super. That and they're looking at hundred percent fine the value. So, you know, you don't pay ten thousand in super, you get fined ten grand as well. But they'll yeah. charge you interest and stuff on the twenty. So of ten grand yeah. I owe twenty-five or you know, yeah. something like that. And it's non-deductible as well. Pay your super. That's the point of that yeah, it. pay your super before you pay yourself. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. Be realistic, because Again, a lot of clients, and that's why I say the salary, is they don't realize how much money they're actually pulling out. They go, yeah. oh, I only take 1500 out a week. For example, I had this exact client
1: mm-hmm. in this week and
0: had this conversation. So they run a retail takeaway shop and they go, oh, we only take 1500 out a week for us and we pay mm-hmm. mortgage, yada, 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 out of it. I was like, oh, yeah, no worries. Okay, so I've gone through it. Yeah, they took that much out, but they also took in an another $70,000 throughout the year and just going to the shops and buying smokes or going to the park. Petrol, yeah, phones, and yeah, yeah. They didn't count into it. And I think looking at their accounts, for example, looks like they may have renovated their personal home and were paying <laughs> through it because there's like 40 yeah. grand to some builder, So they're going, yeah, they only take out 1500 a week, but... The reality is you don't. You're taking out way more than that.
2: And, and I get it. But, you know, if you're going to do that, it makes it a lot harder to sell the business. People don't get a true reflection of the profit that it is spitting out.
0: Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And, and I get it as well. If you've got that much money mm. in the bank, it looks really good. But at the same time, they take it out. and That's where I find they get themselves in the shit because they spend it mm. and then they get a big tax bill because they earn that money. You know, they earn yep. it. They've spent essentially tax money, he used tax money to bank, and then they get into some trouble. So All too often, in my experience, that's one of the big red flags. Doing small business is they start having not paying the tax, not paying super. The other things
2: like if the business owner has his eye or her eye taken off the ball, and that can be caused by sort of illness or you know death of a business partner, or what we've also seen is especially increasingly over the last five years or so is sort of with drug problems as well and taking money out of the business to feed a habit, gambling, all of those things can also unfortunately cause a business to suffer some distress. You know, it's
0: unfortunate and you know, obviously if they've got a gambling issue or a mm. drug issue, they need help. They need to mm. seek help yes. to get through it, but it's hard. And mm. you know, the ATO, as much as everybody doesn't like paying taxes and stuff, and, don't get me wrong, yes. I'm, not, I'm super keen on when I get my tax bill. They are relatively reasonable. The principal amount you owe them, they'll generally say, you know, you owe us that and you've got to pay us it. But if you've got extenuating circumstances why you didn't lodge something, whatever, they you generally mm. pretty good with, okay, well, we're not going to charge you penalties for it. Yeah. You to let's go on payment arrangement or interest or whatever. In my experience, the times that they really throw the book at you is when you Refuse to talk to them, you don't want anything to do with it, you ignore everything, and they're accredited, they want to get paid, and, like, if you're not coming to the party, they're going to force you to come to the party. But so would anybody else, you know. You've got a bank loan, and you just refuse to talk to the bank and pay it, eventually the bank's going to force you to come to the party by a court or lawyers or who knows what. Uh, that's right. Yeah, I have found open and honest dialogue with them is the best way to get on top of it.
2: Yeah, and that goes for all your sort of key stakeholders, your bank, key suppliers, landlords, or communicate, yeah, because no one gets anywhere by sticking your head in the sand and not communicating.
0: Exactly, and everybody's human. Like, yeah, they're mm. working for the ATO or they're working for the bank or whatever, but they are human as well. So they can see what's happening and they will try and help if possible. That's been my experience with it. You know, sometimes they do have to put the foot down, but a lot of the time... Tire. That'll give people
2: so many chances. A lot of the case, Mitch, it's just pride and I understand that that a business owner won't put their hand up and ask for help and that can stop people from going and talking to their accountant or their lawyer or whoever for help. It's something it's hard to get over, but you know, looking at failed businesses, what you need is time. So the longer you leave to fix a business problem, the harder it is for people like us to fix it or to help you fix it because the longer you leave it, you just run out of options. That would be sort of the one message and takeaway for people if they think they're suffering some issues or they have friends or family that might be. is just if you're going to do something, do something about it quickly.
0: Yeah, exactly. The earlier you can get on top of yeah. it, the easier it is to fix. Yeah. The less people yeah. cool that there will be as well. If anybody listening, that be your accountant, bookkeeper, lawyer, dude obviously, or anybody mm-hmm. in that sort of scenario that can lend a hand. And I yeah. guarantee that the listener is not the only person that is going through that situation. You'll no. go talk to your accountant or somebody and they would have dealt with a heap of people in the exact same position. They know what they're doing and there's nothing to be embarrassed about. It is what we're here for is to help. So get in touch early and more likely to be able to turn it around. That's right. So that's the big worrying side of things. So. From the other side, if you've got, a, say, a small business and you're trading with a customer, but I'm going to say, what would be the things to sort of watch out for so I suppose you don't get burnt if they go uh, yeah.
2: yeah, so looking at your own debtors, obviously keep an eye on and it's probably one of the most important features of your zero product or your Myob or whatever you might use is look at your aged debtors. And look at that over time for a particular supplier. If the time it takes to pay you is now stretching out, or in particular, if they start paying you in round lump sum payments, so whereas your invoice used to be $3,412, instead they pay you $2,000 one month and then they pay you the balance the next month. So round number payments, that's indicating that your customer might be having cash flow issues. Before you even take on a new customer, let's say a business has got this, someone's walked in the door saying, hey, here's a massive contract. I want you to supply me with a heap of widgets. Here's the price. And you go, wow, what a great deal. This is what I need to get my business going. Before you take on that new customer, maybe do a company search. Yeah, and that might only cost you like 12 or 15 bucks, but it will tell you quite a bit about a business and about a company. Like if it's changed its registered office lots of times, that means it's changed its accountant usually lots of times. And yeah. a business-changing accountant, it can be an indicator that they're not paying their accountant, so yeah. they've had to go to another accountant, or they've had to change premises all the time because they're not paying their landlord. It might not be the answer, but at least give you the question to ask. Cause, you know, I've seen you've sort of changed address plenty of times. So, you know, that's one just... So a simple one for sort of young players there is just to have a look at that, especially yeah. for new customers. And even if um,
1: that is the case,
0: like they have been, it yeah. doesn't necessarily mean they're not going to pay you, but it is a red flag. So you've got to look at it. And, yeah,
2: you might not give them such generous terms. You might, yeah. rather than giving them 30 days, you give them 14 days. You know, don't kick them out. Yeah, like you said, yeah.
0: don't or just. be a, you know, mm-hmm. a 10 grand job, but mm. like, Yep, that's cool. We can do it, but we need a thousand bucks up front. Yeah, exactly. So at least it covers, if you're buying materials or whatever, at least it covers that. So shouldn't, if you don't get paid, at least you're not getting loved with that as
2: well. The other red flag to look out for is if you've got this information, you might not always do, is if there's high staff turnover with one a year. Clients, that's usually an indicator people are just unhappy there, or they're not getting paid, or they just want to get out. Because the first people to see the writing on the wall are the staff. So, if you hear of that, that's probably another sort of red flag for you. And what do you do when you get these red flags? Or you go, Well, yeah, maybe I shorten my terms to 14 days now, I get paid a little bit up front, or I price it a bit higher, or I start trying to get paid, not giving them as much out the door at any one time. Yeah. Yeah, exactly.
0: So yeah, it's not necessarily just a straight no, but mm. you do have to be aware of it because obviously the risk factor does go up. Yeah. If you have to do it, these sorts of things, there are certain things that would be just a flat out no. Mm. You know, if you do a Google search and they're getting investigated for fraud and they're
1: yes. like things left, right, yeah. stuff like that. You have straight yeah,
0: straight out no. The mm. cash out delivery. The other stuff does speak to their business character. They might pay straight up, no worries. But if it is like that, I would, like you said, shorten the terms, get you to know, pay something up front, et cetera. And then I suppose if they prove themselves over a few transactions, six months or whatever, yeah, maybe push them out to the normal one. Yeah. Obviously, keep an eye on them because, you know, mm. to be good for six months, you push them out and then they start defaulting. But at least at that point, if they've proved that they will pay you, they're good payers, everything's sorted, then, mm. you know, you can sort of go back to normal. Nobody likes
2: bad debts because, you know, especially if you're on a thin margin, you know, if you're making a 10% margin for every dollar you lose, you've got to put another 10 out the door to get it back.
0: Yeah, exactly. exactly. And that's a big one in any industry where there is debtors, stuff like that. If they're not paying, like you said, or round numbers, that was a big one. I had a client, they were 20-something thousand and it was a builder
1: was starting mm. to pay in weird random numbers and mm. not paying full amounts. And well, the
0: modern-day version of the check is in the mail. The Oh, it went through. I don't know why it didn't hit your account yet. Let me double check. And then a little bit will appear three days later and it's not even the amount mm. and that side sort of things. And I said to them, I was like, look, be very careful with it. I wouldn't be racking up too big of debts because they clearly have cash flow issues. You know, if they're not even able to meet half, there wasn't even 50% of the invoices that were going through that they were paying. So be aware that that is a huge issue. Maybe look at stepping back a little bit or considering other options. Yeah, because we've (laughs) seen
2: plenty of businesses collapse because they've lost a big debtor because a debtor has collapsed.
0: Ultimately, that debtor did collapse. It was about twenty grand that got written off, which is unrecoverable. But you could see the writing on the wall a couple of months leading into it because if it's like that, there's an issue, especially consistently. Another one to look out for too, Mitch,
2: is if, whereas in the past, a debtor might have been paying you by EFT and they suddenly ask, can we pay by credit card? Especially, do you take Amex? You know, that's because they're sort of running out of funding sources. So yeah, that's that's another one to look out for.
0: Which, you know, as we said before, in and of itself, that might not, Meet, like they might just want the points or whatever. Something where you do have to go, oh, okay, why, well, you know, is this mm. an issue or what's happening here? So with a lot of stuff like in business, it might not just be a complete no. It's just, okay, well, that's a concerning thing, but let's just keep an eye on it. I think the biggest yeah. takeaway is review your debtors. who owes you money, how long they take to pay you, and try and keep it as low as possible because obviously yeah. you want the money in your bank, not theirs. Obviously, you've got your terms. They might all be paying it's just really high because you did all the work recently. But, you know, when they start getting a little bit older, 30 days overdue, 60, 90, mm. start getting on that phone because the longer it goes, the harder it is to collect.
2: And you've just cost you new money. So, for example, if you've got your debtors are $50,000 and they're at 60 days, if you can bring that down to 30 days, suddenly you've got twenty five grand in the bank you didn't have before. Yeah, 100%. And so that's just cash you've just created out of nowhere almost that you can now use to do something with because you've just shortened your terms. So.
0: Yeah, exactly. And yeah. the flip side of that is if it, they suddenly take an extra month to pay you, you're out. Yeah. That amount That's right. It. Yeah, that's right. It's really important to stay on top of that. It can cost you. If you're like they're, they're overdue and stuff, essentially you're funding that. You haven't received the money. Yeah. You have credit of that amount because they have spent it on something else. That's something to consider as well.
2: Especially in this sort of post-coronavirus recovery phase we're going into, you know, managing your debtors is going to be sort of more important than ever because everyone's going through some form of stress,
0: all businesses. Yeah, exactly. And that's like we're looking at our business, I don't think we'll get hit too hard from a direct
1: hit because as mm. like I said, we're flat out with all the advisory stuff at the moment. Where it will hit, I reckon, will be people pulling out the cloth, uh, the
0: terms. So, mm. say somebody normally pays in 14 days, suddenly it's 30 days before, and we're having to hold the up and stuff just because they're having cash flow issues. So, I think there'll be a bit more of that that'll start happening. But I mean, again, we're all in the same boat with it. So, we obviously want to get paid as soon as possible, but we do understand. So, if you talk to us and we can work something out, then that's mm. better. But if you just ignore us, and gives no choice. We just continue down the debt collection. Yeah. That's actually almost an hour. So I've got a few just quick questions for sure. you. So what do you think is the most important quality in business?
2: Communication. Yeah. Yeah. I think you've got to communicate with everyone, with your staff, with your suppliers, stakeholders, your bank, you know, your advisors. You need to communicate.
0: Yep. no, I agree. And it's funny, yep. you know, I've spoke to a few people recently and asked that question and everybody's been pretty much the same answer, different Mm -hmm. ways of saying it, but integrity, for example, yes, would be Mm -hmm. like integrity, talking to people, making sure everybody, like they're all very similar in that and I 100% agree. Being honest, being open and especially in Western Australia, we are a small place so word gets around. So if you are upfront, honest and you communicate with everybody, As I said, people are human. They will generally understand and they'll try and work with you. Next question for you. If you had one superpower, what would it be? Oh, I always like to be
2: invisible, I reckon. (laughs) (laughs) Don't ask why. (laughs) I just reckon it'd be cool sometimes just to be able to disappear.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That makes sense, makes sense. So if you could give your younger self one piece of advice, what would it be?
2: Don't always take the first offer on the table. Sometimes you might just want to wait. Some things might look really good and they are good, but there could be something even better. Be patient. Good
0: one. Uh, that's good. It's good. I know the answer to this one and that's why I left it to the end. What's your favourite
2: footy tag? Uh, it's uh, definitely West Coast and looking very forward to hopefully some semblance of footy starting again. So Yeah. yeah that's been probably the worst thing about lockdown is no footy. Yep,
0: I agree, I agree. Now, what's your favorite book of all time?
2: I really like I'm not sure if you've heard of Catch Twenty Two. The guy that wrote it coined the phrase catch twenty two when you're in this circular argument or circular situation you just can't get out of. So really like that. Very, very funny. I think they've made a movie of it and I think it might even be a new series, I think. They've recreated it on one of the streaming channels.
0: Beautiful. That's the five and the podcast. So thank you very much. It's very informative and I think the listeners are going to to get some good information out of it. So if they do have any questions or anything, how will they get in touch? Well,
2: if they're a client of yours, Mitch, happy for them just to give you a hoi. We've known each other for a while now, so you've got my details. So maybe that's a good first port of call and happy to chat. We're happy to invest time and, and talk through problems and not just one free hour. It can be multiple meetings to understand a situation. And we'll give you a quick no or a, you know, rather than a slow yes as to whether we can help you.
0: Yep. So happy to invest. Yep. Sounds good. Yeah. We'll put our contact information in the notes as well. So if you do want to get yep. in touch, give us a call and I'm sure we can, we can tease something up. So Excellent. Cool. Well, thank you very much. And everybody just stay tuned for the next one. Thanks, Mitch. You've been listening to The Mitch Moroni Show.
1: Mitch Moroni Show. Stay tuned for more.